So if you really were going to give the keys to the curriculum to your students, what would they create? What do you think they might be interested in? What would change and shift and adapt, evolve, so on and so forth, you know, in, in the school, in the district? Would it be interesting? Would you like to find out? The neat thing about today's guest, Ryan Stoyer, is he's an expert in project-based learning and uh, he's built a school, one of the first schools uh, or the first school in Indianapolis uh, to be PBL-based. And uh, his company, Magnify Learning, is experts. They're experts in PBL. And he has a new book called PBL Simplified. So if PBL is an interesting topic for you and you want to explore it or go a bit deeper, then you are absolutely going to love this episode. Hey, it's Danny, Chief Ruckus Maker over at Better Leaders, Better Schools. And this show is for ruckus makers, which means you invest in your continuous growth, you challenge the status quo, and you design the future of school now. And we'll be right back with the main show after a few introductory messages from our show sponsors. Learn how to successfully navigate change. Shape your school's success and lead your teams with Harvard's Certificate in School Management and Leadership. Get world-class Harvard faculty research specifically adapted for pre-K through 12 schools. Self-paced online professional development that fits your schedule. Leading Change runs from February 15th to March 15th, 2023. Apply by Friday, February 3rd. Enroll by Thursday, February 9th. Get started at betterleadersbetterschools.com slash Harvard. TeachFX helps educators see how their instructional practices lead to student talk and learning in both in-person and live online learning for any subject at any grade level. See TeachFX for yourself and learn about special partnership options for ruckus makers at teachfx.com slash BLBS. All students have an opportunity to succeed with Organized Binder, who equips educators with a resource to provide stable and consistent learning, whether that's in a distance, hybrid, or traditional educational setting. Learn more at organizedbinder.com. All right, here we are with Ryan Stoyer, the founder of Magnify Learning, a project-based learning professional development organization. Prior to founding Magnify Learning, Ryan was an engineer for a Fortune 50 company, an eighth grade English teacher, and a missionary. He shares his educational leadership insights on YouTube and on the PBL Simplified podcast. Ryan, welcome to the show. Danny, super excited to be here with you and your Ruckus Makers. Awesome. You have such an interesting like story. And I didn't even know, I don't know if I remember or forgot like the engineer piece. I might have questions about that later. Yeah. But you sold your house. Like, let's start here. You sold your house. You now live with your family full time in an RV. And that's certainly making a ruckus, right? Like, I'm sure your family had questions and stories and whatever. But what was the catalyst for that decision? Yeah, so we we tested it out first, right? So we did a sabbatical. Uh, okay. We did a short sabbatical of two weeks, then we did a full sabbatical of a month, and then it was like the wheels didn't come off of the family or any of the work that we were doing. So we sold the house. And if you remember, as there was the bubble where all of our houses were worth one and a half times what they we bought them for. 
It's like that only yeah. works out if we don't buy another house in the same market, right? So we said, well, let's sell our house, buy an RV, which is where I'm at right now, and then just travel the country. And, you know, the podcast still works, YouTube still works. I go and visit schools around the country for the work that we're doing with Magnify Learning with schools. And, you know, in between, we visit all these really cool places. So, like, so we're birders. So just this morning, we're in southern Texas, which is a big migration route for birds. So we got to see some birds you can never see in Indiana, where we're originally from. So we added a lot of birds to our life, life birding list. Got you. So you have a list and you're like tracking the birds you see and like where you saw them and that kind of thing? Yep. Yep, absolutely. So we saw an American oyster catcher today that we had never seen before. So it was on the coast. And I, you know, I kind of joke, I don't think it's very hard to catch an oyster, but that is the bird's name. So, yeah. you know, we just keep adding to the list and it's really a pretty neat way to see the country. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, it's authentic learning right there, right? So have you seen a bald eagle? I have to ask. Yeah, we've seen bald eagles all over the place, whether it's over a lake in South Dakota or out in Acadia in Maine, we've seen them down in Florida. We've seen them about everywhere, which is really neat. They're just a, a bald eagle. You can see it. I mean, once you kind of get its outline, there's a majestic piece to it that still makes you stop and look. I love them. Yeah, I haven't seen one yet. So I really, that's like a bucket oh. of this item, I guess. And you brought yeah. up South Dakota. So just a shout out. I talked to Lisa Perry in South Dakota yesterday. So just like, hey, Lisa, if you're listening, you're super cool. Let me ask you one more question in terms of, you know, RV type life. Like, What kind of adventures are you getting into? So you're doing the birding and, you know, that kind of thing. But, you know, what else? What kind of ruckus are you making traveling yeah. around with the family? For sure. So like we've been out to Yellowstone and the Tetons. Just go and see. So we've yeah. seen bear, moose elk, uh, a little bit of everything. So like you said, it's just this authentic learning opportunity for the kids. You know, we've got five kids that are in this RV with us and a happy wife. And, you know, we go around and we just learn from different cities. You know, sometimes we're in a rural setting, sometimes it's urban. We've got a couple canoes with us that we, you know, jump into at times as well. So there's a fair amount of ruckus making happening pretty much everywhere we go, whenever we show up. Sounds like it. And, you know, you take guests, like if I just show up and knock on the RV, like, do I get to hang out with the Sawyer family or? <laughs> yeah, for sure you do, you know? So it has been a really neat place to, you know, I'm in a mastermind and, you know, I can, yeah. and our mastermind friends are all over the country, you know? So if I'm in New York, you know, I stop and see Michael. And if I'm in Chicago, I stop and see Marianne sure. and see Dan and I'm in Florida. So it really is an opportunity to see family and see friends in different ways that you probably wouldn't otherwise. So and yeah, for right. sure, you're always welcome. Yeah, cool. <laughs> Talk about your mastermind experience just for a second. I'm sure people that, if you're not new to this show, you know that we serve school leaders through masterminds. But yeah, folks aren't you know really familiar with the structure and that kind of thing. Maybe a brief yeah. overview, but like, why is it something that you invest in and why do you continue to show up and the value, like how have you grown in it type of thing? I can't imagine that I would ever not invest in mastermind at this point. Like I've got... 20, 25 people that are leaders that are operating a very high level. So if I've got an issue or a concern or a thought, or really the part of a mastermind that's hard to get the ROI around is just the aura of high flyers. Like we meet weekly, yep. uh, we meet in person, which is really important. Like go to the in-person event, right? And yeah. you get to just be and know that there are high flyers out there just like you, right? The ones that you know, get up and exercise and journal and take cold showers and read like crazy, right? Like 
do all the things that high flyers do. You can have conversations that you can't have with everybody, right? Like you're ruckus mm-hmm. makers. You can't always talk to the principal at the school district next to you or even other principals yeah. in your district. If you're really a ruckus maker, it's like not everybody gets that, that idea and mindset. So a mastermind, right. you're bringing together people that have a similar mindset of you know, making things happen. It can operate at a high level. And there's just an aura in that that it's changed my life. Like there's like literally, even with just in two years, it's completely changed all the work that I do and the way that I think about the world. So I couldn't yeah. recommend well, it enough, especially, you know, I know that, again, if you're listening, if you're a ruckus, or maybe if you're on the fence with the masterminds with Better Leaders, Better yeah. Schools, like jump off yeah. the fence into them. Like if you think yeah. about, if you could meet with high flying, the top tier principles and just glean from them, what would that be worth to you? Like it's well worth the investment, you know, 100, 200 times worth the investment. I couldn't be more yeah. for masterminds. All right, cool. Thank you for that endorsement. I'll never forget when Lizzie, I affectionately call her Spike. So Spike, if you're listening, what's going on? And when she joined, she's like, finally, people get it. Right. Like everywhere else, you express the idea you want to evolve, innovate within education. Maybe it's your district, your supervisor. Maybe you guys got an echo chamber type of thing or, you know, a Mm fishbowl going on. And it's like, no, we can never do that. Right. Are you an alien? Like, what do you mean? Like, do that in education. And then she gets in the mastermind. She said, like, oh, yeah, we've done that before. Here's some things you should try. Right. Or that's a great idea. How can I support you? So cool. I don't want to make this about me. Okay. Can I give you one more though? Cause I was, I got the chance to be an opportunity seat for a new venture that I'm looking at in supporting missionaries and their work and being in the mastermind, like they just expanded my, like there aren't too many rooms where I have to look for the break, right? Like normally I'm pushing the work and pushing the work and pushing the work. It was like, suddenly it was like, Whoa, where's the break on this? Right. Cause they had me (laughs) moving to such a high level. It was exciting for me. Right. Because yeah. again, just like Spike, I forgot a real name. Sorry. I probably don't get to call you. No, Spike, but... Don't worry. Spike's the name that matters. So, all right. Yeah. So, the same thing with Spike. It's like you get somebody that knows the work enough to like slam your foot down on the pedal to really move your work farther. It's exciting. It is. Yeah. Cool. All right. Back to you. I don't want to make this about me. So, you know, you're in the RV, you're doing the birding, you're having these adventures, you know, Yellowstone, the Tetons, that kind of stuff. But talk to us about what like authentic learning looks like for your kids. They're obviously having this really you know generous and rich experience. And so yeah. what does learning look like for them? So it looks like a lot of the way I do life as well, right? Kind of pass that down to my okay. kids. So I actually just switched podcast editing companies and I was really happy okay. with my last one. But now my kids edit, produce and post my, co- my podcasts. Right. So I, I saved money on that, but I'm also paying them pretty well, right. To do that work. Nice. Yeah. That's their public work. Like they're building that portfolio. My daughter has her own podcast. Like she's created and she's, I think her podcast is better than mine. Like she's so natural <laughs> at it. Right. And what's the, and she's, okay. so it's called the amazing cocoa land. So we bought the URL for her, the amazing yeah. And she's got this whole world. There's a map and her stuffed animals kind of interact with this. Right. And she's got different voices that come in. She brings in my younger kids as a different voice in the land as well. And they just go through. It's hilarious. It's legitimately funny. And, yeah. you know, she sees that turning into a business at some point. She doesn't know yet, right? But she's going to get a following. I've got a son who he's a birder. So he's got nature photography on Shutterstock. And he gets downloads. Yeah. So he gets paid for that. 
He's got a Printify shop that you can buy his artwork from. So mm. all within that, like, are they learning math? Like 100% they're learning math. Like they know percentages really well, right? Like, you know, because yeah. they're working with them every single day. And, you know, they're writing scripts, they're writing copy, they're doing all these pieces as they're creating real world authentic work that goes out in the world and people see it. Their YouTube channel's growing, right? I think more than mine. So again, there's like some pieces, like I'm going to have to circle back and learn from them, I think. But that's what it looks like for us. It's great. That's super cool. And you know, they're managing their time. I read all the time on different like principal groups and this kind. Do you still use planners? You know, like do they work in paper? Do you have to do them electronically? Hall passes? But you know, at the end of the day, we're talking about you know, executive functioning skills and that kind of stuff. Buddy Mitch over at Organized Binders, like great at that. But like your kids, that they're figuring it out, have a lot of autonomy and agency. And if they don't show up, well, the podcast doesn't go out. They're going to lose listeners, you know, all this kind of stuff. So they're in it right now as young people, which is super cool. And you said the amazing Coco Land, like, you know, watch out, Disney. Like That's right. <laughs> it's coming for you, right? So cool. Help us bridge, bridge it though. You know, from your setting where the sky is truly the limit, I think we could argue that the sky's the limit in the school setting as well. But, you know, folks that I call play it safe principles, that's the opposite of a ruckus maker, you know, they might have troubles. They might put a ceiling right here. You know, we can't do those things. So, you know, bridge the gap. Like how can schools create some of these like really authentic experiences for their students? Yeah, it's, you know, it's a similar process. It's like, where are the passions and gifts in your kids, right, in learners? And then what's the need in the real world? And what's the audience that they could reach out to and authentically serve, right? Because that's what it's like when we get out into the real world, if you will, like we should be serving someone well, providing value, and that's how we're compensated. So what's that look like in a classroom setting? It's, you know, it's a similar idea. So if you look at, let's say, eighth grade science standards, you have to cover the Punnett square, And you can do that through a textbook and you can look at vocabulary and test on those things. Or you could say like, where's the Punnett square really used in the real world? It's like, well, doctors that are studying genetic diseases. (laughs) Yeah, right. But science teachers can, right? So it's like, we can't connect those dots sometimes. I'm like, well, this is great, science teacher in eighth grade, because you're the perfect person to connect these dots. Most of us can't do it. I have no idea why the Punnett square is important, right? And it's not inherently Mm -hmm. important to teenagers, So the teacher in the classroom becomes really important. And to give that teacher the autonomy to to do this, like, where is this used? Well, it's used in doctor's offices. Well, what if eighth Mm -hmm. graders created a pamphlet that talked about this genetic disease? So then when a parent finds out that their kid has a genetic disease, they want to know two things. One, is my child going to be okay? Two, they suddenly want to know everything there is to know about that genetic disease. Well, why can't your eighth graders create that? Right? It's known facts and research, right? That Those things are known. Why can't they package that to a PSA or a podcast or a website or a pamphlet the audience can consume and benefit from? Yeah, good questions. And, you know, it's probably the type of thinking and the questions you, you are using and leveraging. When years ago, you helped start one of the first PBL middle schools in Indianapolis. Can you tell us the story of launching that school? Yeah, that's... The big aha for us, I think, is we did just that. We took all the standards from language arts, math, science, and social studies and just said, what are our big themes and where do they connect with the real world? Where can we serve people at? 
and PBL units just pop off the page or the dry erase board, mm-hmm. wherever it is that you're popping them. So it's like suddenly our learners, we can take the age-old question, why are we learning this? And we put it right up front. Say, this is exactly why you're learning this because we need to help mm-hmm. these people. You know, Their kid has a genetic disease. We're going to help them. Well, kids wake up to that. Like, I'll do that. Like, that's real work. And to do that, they're yeah. going to have to hit all of these different standards. So we mm-hmm. set up structures like that. And then we had 25% of the kids in a large comprehensive middle school. We had 8% of the discipline. We were, the attendance rate was a percent and a half higher. And in a failing school, we would have been a B on standardized tests. So it was like Mm -hmm. kids generally showed up to school and did what they were supposed to do and then engaged in the work. They were still kids, right? So there's still 8% of discipline. It's not like discipline disappeared completely. But creating a bridge from the standards to relevance and authenticity it did get kids to put their head up and really engage in the work. Yeah, that's brilliant. You know, and that's, who wouldn't want more engagement, right, on any campus? And so maybe PBL and working with Ryan and Magnify Learning is like something to really explore. So awesome. I love how you put that why in the front of it too, because it helps. I mean, that's what Simon Sinek says, right? He kind of got famous, start with the why. And I think what I'm hearing, your approach at the school you launched on did the same type of thing. I'm enjoying this conversation. We're going we're to get a message in from some sponsors. And when we come back, I want to hear about you know, some of the best projects students you know, completed, maybe a story of failing at PBL and what you learned. And of course, you got a great new book out called PBL Simplified and love to hear a little bit about that. So learn how to successfully navigate change, shape your school success and empower your teams with Harvard Certificate in School Management and Leadership. Get online PD that fits your schedule. Courses include leading change, leading school strategy and innovation, leading people, and leading learning. You can apply today at betterleadersbetterschools.com slash Harvard. Now, I'll tell you that teachers use TeachFX to record a lesson, and they automatically get personalized insights into their classroom conversation patterns and teaching practices. You can see TeachFX for yourself and learn about their special partnership options for ruckus makers just like you by going to teachfx.com slash B-L-E-S. And today's show is also sponsored by Organized Binder, a program that gives students daily exposure to goal-setting, reflective learning, time and task management, study strategies, organizational skills, and more. Organized Binder has a color-coded system that's implemented by the teacher through parallel process with students, helping them create a predictable and also dependable classroom routine. Learn more and improve your students' executive functioning at organizedbinder.com. We're back with Ryan Stoyer, the founder of Magnify Learning and the author of PBL Simplified, which you should pick up. So tell me, like, maybe your favorite project you've ever seen or just one of the best projects you've seen in PBL. Sure. So... Wow, there's a lot of them because it really works like K-12, right? Like we've used PBL implementation and into higher ed. But one of my favorites that came out recently from a school in Kentucky, an elementary school. They had kindergartners and first graders. And they said, well, we're going to go to, you know, a senior citizen home. So we're going to go visit grand- other people's grandma and grandpas, right? And they couldn't do it because of yeah. And then I guess kindergartners, first graders, they said, well, how are they communicating with their family? I don't know. It's a real problem. 
So they're like, well, we should get them iPads so that they can communicate, like via FaceTime, right? That would be great. Well, that makes sense. How are we going to pay for those? And the teachers are just kind of guiding them through this conversation. And eventually they decide they're going to write a book. So they do that, write a book about their town. They illustrate it and they have a publisher publish it. So you can go and buy their book right now. And I had the kids on the podcast and the kids on the podcast, right? Which is awesome. And they just start out with, you know, I'm in kindergarten and I'm an author and I also like to play soccer. Right. It's like, <laughs> right. It's like, it's like, what a great identity piece, right? Like identifying as an author, you know, in kindergarten, first grade. And then the next, the next learner was like, yep, I'm an illustrator, you know, and I really like to run, you know, it's, so it's like all the yeah. same normal elementary stuff, but I also snuck an illustrator and author. It's like, uh, it's like, I, I still have a hard time identifying with author. Right. And so it's like my second book and like, they're going to start out at like six years old. Like, yeah, I can be an author. No problem. Yeah. So why not me? Yeah, exactly. Why not me? Right. So it's like one, the empathy to say, Hey, here are these other people that are suffering in some way. How can we help them? But the identity that the learners get to take with them outside of this project and the tangible thing that they created, it was really, it was about their town. So they actually sold quite a few, right, within their town. So they had sales too, right off the bat. So they learned this whole process. But again, for me, the exciting part of that PBL unit is really the identity that the learners leave with because of the authenticity of the work they're doing. Yeah, that's brilliant. And, uh, that's cool. I mean, it was a project that really succeeded in that kind of thing. And I'm sure there were mishaps, and failures along the way, but I think failure is a great, you know, teacher. So can you tell us a story of just blowing it, really failing at PBL <laughs> and what you learned? Yeah, so I've got these in, in, in the book, in PBL Simplified. We go through wins, fails, and where to start. And I usually take the fails on myself, right? So I celebrate the wins of schools across the country that we've been working with, and I take the fails. So one of my big fails early on was I was just excited. I'm like, I'm going to use this classroom. We're going to change the world. So it was like, all right, you know, I see 125 eighth graders every day. If they all change some small part of the world, we've made a dent in the universe, right? Steve Jobs. That's so right. everybody creates their own service learning project, their own PBL unit, if you will. And... All of my learners in the Midwest were pretty sure that everybody that needed food was in Africa. So everybody was going to collect food, canned food, and we were going to ship it to Africa. And I was excited. So I was like, let's do this, right? Like, let's everybody do it. You'd think that with my background, so I worked at UPS as an engineer, you'd think I'd understand the shipping costs of canned goods to Africa. Not to mention the fact that I feel like the address in the box was just going to say Africa. Like we didn't do the work to like work with a missionary or work with somebody on the ground. So there were 125 different ideas of, again, most of them canned food because I didn't really let them explore enough or I did probably, I didn't give them enough rails with, to work within. So they just went to what Mm -hmm. they know and I didn't introduce them to enough ideas, but 125 different ideas. We couldn't pay for it. So then it's like, well, we should have a car wash. How are we going to buy those supplies? Well, we'll sell lollipops at lunch. Well, okay. So now we're doing lollipops so that we can do a car wash so that we can pay for postage. And, and then finally, one kid comes in. So that's the epic failure in case it didn't fully come through. But here's the cherry on. As Billy finally says, you know, my mom volunteers at the local food pantry. She'd probably let us go there for free. Right. Like, like what? In the backyard. Yeah. Yeah. Like, 
why didn't I have you in on my planning? Which, by the way, is an aha that you should write down. Like, why didn't I have the kids in on my planning? Because mm. it, it seems so obvious now, right? Like, think globally, work locally. But that one definitely blew up. We never finished it. It's just I just told the kids, like, hey, you know, this didn't work at all. You still have to write compound, complex sentences. Like, those are the standards we're working on. But the service mm-hmm. learning project, we're going to have to shelf or adjust. Yeah, wow. And I hope, you know, that they had some powerful insights from that, but it sounds uh, one of them being like, hey, there's a food pantry right here where we can serve, you know, is really important. So let's talk PBL Simplified. You do have that new book that's available. And I believe you share a six-step process in the book to PBL. So can you give us a brief overview of that process? Yeah, absolutely. And the whole idea of PBL Simplified is like, it's not PBL watered down, right? So it's still authentic, still rigorous. <laughs> But we really want to reach the majority of schools. So 51 by 2051. I want to reach the majority of schools by 2051. It doesn't have to just be me. I just We need to make that shift from passive to empowered. So to do that, we're past the innovators, right? And your ruckus makers know this. Like if they look at their staff, you've got innovators, you've got early adopters, you know, early majority, late majority, and some laggards. Like somewhere in the innovation curve, right? Simon Sinek goes, no, yeah. you talk on that, right? Yeah. So... PBL Simplified is really for, you know, those teachers, like there's a structure for PBL now, right? We're not just making it up as we go along. We don't use any of that language of mess in the middle at this point, right? Like there's six steps. You're going to define the problem. You're going to create success criteria. So what's it look like when that problem is solved? And then you're going to research possible solutions. What are all the different ideas we have? We'll pick one of those solutions in step four. In step five, we're going to test it. We're going to run it, rerun it, and present. And in step six, we're going to reflect. And we're going to run that those general six steps for every PBL unit we do. It's going to be standards-based. It's going to be authentic. There's going to be a presentation. Right? So there's a structure to these things. So your teachers in the classroom are not just making this up as they go along. Because that just freaks some of us out. And some of your innovators are like, sure, I'll run but if you're going to get the majority of your staff on board, there needs to be a structure and a process. And that's what the book's really about. There's mm. two chapters specifically that I think your ruckus makers, your leaders would really appreciate. And it's school mm-hmm. implementation of PBL. And then yeah. also leadership specifically around PBL. Oh, like how do you bring this yeah. in? Right? Because you, you don't want to come in and say, hey, guess what? January 1, we're all doing PBL. Go. Right? It's like... So how do you create a leadership team? How do you get a buzz? How do you create a grassroots movement? And I go through a couple of different examples there. Yeah. It's a pet peeve. And so I'm just going to say it on the podcast because I'm in a bunch of big principal groups, right, online. And I love when people are like, ask, they're asking for help. They need help, right? And then they're like, go. And I don't know why I resist that. Whenever somebody puts yeah. that in a post, I'm just like, I don't want to help you. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe that says something about me, but it's just like, I don't know. This is, it really annoys me. So I'm just being real in this moment. Okay, cool. So PBL Simplified's out, at least at the time of us doing this, I think it's for pre-order. By the time the podcast comes out, it actually will be available. And so just really, yeah, encourage ruckus makers to check it out. I love that there is a specific chapter around leadership and thinking through implementation is what I'm hearing. And maybe the last thing we'll say you know, in regards to this book, it's great you get this proven process, six steps. 
And it's a framework, right? Constraints there and a lot of creativity within those constraints, but you can use it over and over again. But just in terms of implementation, you know, how does a learning team help with full school implementation? of? Yeah, that's probably my favorite implementation plan at this point. And that's what we work with districts with at this is now like some schools will create a PBL school, which is great. You create your own culture. But then sometimes PBL gets stuck in that school and not the rest of the district. Right. So PBL leadership implementation team, they go out and they explore. They say, hey, we're going to learn about project-based learning. And they go learn about it. They get trained. They come back and they do it with their kids. So it's teachers in the classroom as well as administrators. But now they're doing it with their kids. And they're trying it out. And it's very successful. It's how teachers have always wanted to teach. Right? You want to open up new opportunities for your kids. You want to have a why behind the learning. So when that implementation team goes through, the messaging is always, hey, we're going to see if this works for our school. Does this work at Southport Elementary or not? Let's go find out. And then the whole staff gets to see, wow, this is really working. And what we see Mm -hmm. with this plan is then the implementation team goes and the rest of the teachers say, well, when do I get trained? When do my kids get to do that really cool stuff? Oh, well, how about next summer? Right, but do you see the shift? Now teachers are wanting to get trained. It's not I'm making the next group go. They want to get trained. So that's your your, your early majority, right? Is now saying, yeah, I want to try this out because they've seen it work with, you know, students in their actual school, not just a school where it's like, yeah, I I know it works over there, but what about? Right, they see that Ryan, who's a struggling student and typically doesn't do any work you know, is engaged in this work. And that's, you start to get your own stories from the school that you're within. And you start to build a truly a grassroots movement, which is really exciting as a leader, because now you're really doing the visionary work that you really want to do. And you're not just managing people, Mm -hmm. you're doing the visionary work, you're putting the flag out there, and you're helping empower people to go out and do it. Brilliant. Cool. So check it out, Ruckus Makers, PBL Simplified. So Ryan, if you could put a message on all school marquees around the world for a single day, what would your message read? It would be life is choices. This is what my mom would sign every letter to me in college at the end. It said, life is choices, mom. Oh, wow. And so I, I brought it to my eighth grade classroom, you know, an urban school in Indiana, Indianapolis. And every day when kids left my classroom, it was life is choices, life is choices, life is choices. You know, and every now and then I'd yeah. put it out on the board and say, here are the choices you can make. If you decide to not smoke for the next six years, you can actually go to Hawaii, right? So I just you know, put some of those things out there. And I'll still have kids that hit me up on Facebook. Or I saw a guy, a kid at the grocery store. He's not a kid anymore, but he's like, oh, yeah, you're the life is choices guy, right? Yep, I'm the life is choices <laughs> So it would yeah, definitely be yeah. that. I think I used to end the podcast ages ago. You know, I've had this show for seven years. I haven't missed a Wednesday. Seven years, it's kind of nuts. Love but it. I think the quote, I don't remember, so sorry for the attribution, but I'm pretty sure the quote was basically like, life is 10% of what happens to you and 90% of like how you choose to respond to it. So yeah. thanks, mom. Life is choices. Yeah. Listen right. to your mom. Listen to <laughs> yep, your mom. That's right. So Ryan, you've built a school, but I'm going to ask you this question already again. If you were building another school, and maybe this time it's your dream school, you had no constraints in terms of resources. Your only limitation was your imagination. How would you build your dream school? What would be the three guiding principles? This is a great question for leaders to wrestle with and actually write down, I think. I think I would connect the school to a large corporation of some kind, like a UPS, for instance. So you can go out and see the professionalism right there, right? You could pull them in. You could go sit in some meetings, 
So that'd be the first thing I would do. And so maybe that's the, one of the first pillars is community partners or industry partners, but somehow a very direct correlation to that so that you can see what that looks like. Number two is you would just have to build in a ton of curiosity. Like that would be a major priority. And then the third priority would be the empowerment. I think through vision. So for me, like the vision of a leader is really important. Like I think your ruckus makers, like that vision is so important for them to get out there. Like the staff want that because it's empowering. They want to be a part of something bigger. And then our learners want to be a part of something bigger. So the community partner, industry partner, curiosity, and then the empowerment of a great vision. Awesome. And just a shout out to Brenda, who left us a comment on LinkedIn. She said, love that, Ryan. You are so right. I use that as well in my two rules. So super cool. Thanks, Brenda, for the comment. And Ryan, you know, we covered a lot of ground today from birding and the RV life and masterminding and PBL and your new book, PBL Simplified. Of everything we discussed today, what's, and that listen to your mother, right? So of everything we discussed today, what's the one thing you want Ruckus Maker to remember? And it's okay. You don't have to go with the mom one. It's, okay. I give you permission. It, it felt like I should have gone with listen to your mom, but I'm going to, I'm going to take that because she's, maybe she's listening, but I think it would be more. Okay. Yeah, there you go. So listen to your mom. I would go with, you know, even just like, I love that Brenda just chimed in with that, like the collaboration yep. with other leaders, you know, mm-hmm. and I know the mastermind was a side conversation, but I can't express enough. Like the loneliness of leadership is real and everybody listening knows that and feels it in some way. And the mastermind opportunity, the collaboration within this community is the way that you deal with that, if you will, and excel beyond that because you have people that get you and that can push you like so that you don't get complacent and that you have a place to really try out those big ideas before you go implement. I don't think that I can be behind that enough. Thanks for listening to the Better Leaders, Better Schools podcast, Ruckus Maker. If you have a question or would like to connect, my email, daniel at betterleadersbetterschools.com or hit me up on Twitter at Alien Earbud. If the Better Leaders, Better Schools podcast is helping you grow as a school leader, then please help us serve more ruckus makers like you. You can subscribe, leave an honest rating and review, or share on social media with your biggest takeaway from the episode. Extra credit for tagging me on Twitter at Alien Earbud and using the hashtag BLBS. Level up your leadership at betterleadersbetterschools.com and talk to you next time. Until then, class dismissed.